The idea of this podcast is simple, discipleship. We want to bring the gospel message about how to interact with your coworkers, your culture, your friends, everyone around you in a biblical way, which is, in essence, discipleship. What did Jesus do when he came to this earth? He took the devil's stuff. The Bible actually teaches that the world is becoming increasingly covered with the knowledge of the glory of God. That should change everything in the mind of a Christian. Instead of thinking about all the ways society is failing, we should think about all the ways society must be, as Psalm 1101 tells us, put underneath the feet of Jesus in victory. The Rebel Podcast. We would be honored if you would join us. Welcome to the Rebel Podcast. Once again with me, the Knobs and Dials guy, filling in for the real rebels, pastors Nate and Chris, who are now back home recovering from the Fight Laugh East Conference. Last week, we took you back almost six years ago to the first interview with Dr. Joe Boot. The week after that interview originally released, the rebels did a review of it because it contains so much to chew on. So we thought you'd like to hear that review as well. As you listen, keep in mind that you can contact the Rebels via email. The address is rebelpodcastflf, that's fightlaughfeast, at gmail.com. Once again, rebelpodcastflf at gmail.com. Last week, we dropped an episode with uh, Dr. Joe Boot, and we just felt like we ran out of time. We would have loved to take some time afterwards to just kind of debrief some of the stuff that he was talking about. So we're actually going to take today just to kind of walk through some of the themes that he taught us about and uh, and just kind of debrief that interview just because we thought there was so much gold there and uh, and so much of what he was saying could be uh, unpacked and, and we could just spend hours talking about what he taught us. Um, but uh, that we, we just didn't want to let it go by without taking some time and say, all right, let's, let's squeeze every last bit of uh, gold out of this that we can. Yeah, so if you haven't listened to last week's episode, stop right now, yep. go back, I always, hate to it when, it. I always hate it when people say that, but we are saying it. So. Yeah, we, we kind of have to here, yeah. though. I know, I know. I don't ever like... I never do it. Like, I'm just like, I am going to listen to this podcast. Don't you tell me what I can do. <laughs> I am a rebel so against God. <laughs> just like, that's a terrible thing. Shows the depravity of us, eh? But yes. anyway, go back, listen to the episode, and then rejoin us at whatever timestamp this is. Yep. And then he can have us discuss Joe Boot's interview because it blew our minds. Yeah, so Joe Boot came on. He talked to us essentially about two kingdom theology. And we don't have to get too technical about what that is. But, uh, you know, Cole's Notes version is he's saying that uh, the Christian faith has been hijacked in a lot of ways. Um, that what, what began, you know, in the New Testament as a robust faith that infiltrated every aspect of a person's life and of public life you know, a faith that literally brought Christians to the point where they would deny the lordship of Caesar um, and, uh, and, and be as countercultural as to be put to death. Now the, the faith has been reduced to this, this private thing that you do on Sundays or in the privacy of your own home. And, uh, and, and in a lot of ways, that's, that's where we are as, as Christians. We live in a culture now where even those within the church would scold. Uh, we, we get criticism sometimes for, for uh, talking politics and talking education and talking about um, social media and, and the, the way that Christians ought to interact in these different spheres. Uh, we get criticized because we say, well, you know, the, the, we can't mix 
politics and faith. We can't mix politics and or faith and education. And what what Boot was really talking about was that no, the Christ is King, and that impacts everything in the world. If we say He has all authority in heaven and on earth, as the Scriptures clearly say He does, then everything that He does and everything that He proclaims has relevance in every sphere of life. Yeah, it's one of those. I, I never like using this analogy. It's one of the big lies that the devil has convinced Christians of is that the Bible and and our faith is a very private thing to us. Like, obviously it's very personal, right? Uh, but it's very much like, well, it's, it's good for us. We don't need to tell people, we don't need to share this with the world. What I, how, what I do on Sunday doesn't affect what I do on Monday, which is not true. You know what right. I mean? Like, <laughs> I, I think Boot actually said it this way when, when he was talking, he said, um, we've, we've basically, what, what's the word, ecclesiasticized the Bible into, into yeah. the fact that it's, it That's just exactly speak to the we, church. We ecclesiasticize the word of God, right? So we've made the word of God just for the church. Yeah. And, uh, and I thought that's such a concise way of saying it. But essentially what we're saying by that is that the, the word of God, the living word of God has nothing to say to popes and politicians. Like it's, it's ridiculous. Um, and, and I think, so, you know, one of the things that, one of the reasons I think that affected me so much is because we're coming off the 500 year anniversary of the Protestant Reformation and the men that we celebrate at this time did not believe that. If they had have believed that we would not be standing where we are today. No. Right. So you think about, um, like John Calvin, for example, one of the things about, uh, John Calvin that, uh, um, I loved was when he, so, I mean, you have to remember the Protestant Reformation is a bunch of people who are trying to reform the church. And, uh, and uh, John Knox says um, that the presence of a purified and reformed church in any nation will have considerable cultural ramifications. And I think that that seems to be what we've just forgotten. We've forgotten that, um, you know, uh, that if, if people are transformed by the gospel and the church lives up to its name, uh, you know, the, the temple of the living God, the, uh, um, the, uh, the hands and feet of Jesus Christ, then, uh, then whatever culture the church finds itself in will be shaped and influenced by the church. They, they ought to be. They have to be. And, uh, and that's what uh, the reformers believed, and that seems to be what we've lost today. Um, there's uh, another just quote, uh, John, John Knox is probably my, my favorite reformer. And uh, when he was uh, uh, a slave for 19 months on a French Catholic uh, sh- uh, galley ship, um, there's one, uh, he describes it as one cold and foggy night where he sat and prayed alone. And he prayed, light and truth seem to be gone forever from Scotland. Though both burn brightly in my heart this night, if all else have despaired, I will not despair. Let queen, regent, pope, and council rage as they will. Jesus Christ still sits upon the throne. Lord, give me Scotland ere I die. And I mean, we just don't have um, that sort of mentality where uh, we, we don't call the Trumps and the Trudeaus and, and the, the leaders in our nations to bow the knee to Christ like the reformers did. John Knox stood in front of Queen Mary of the Scots and, and called her out for her insubordination to the supremacy of Christ <laughs> and, uh, and uh, you know, putting his life in her hands as, as he did that. And he had to, he had, uh, just, we don't have that boldness today. Yeah, I, th- I, think it's, I think it's very interesting 
when we look at the Reformation specifically, but then we also, if we just take that back and look back at the apostles. Yeah. To, and then play out what, just what they did, standing up to the governments, calling them to repent and trying to change them. If we did that in our culture, we'd be called fundamentalists and right. radicals. Yeah. And it's funny that we think of that as, as Christians as, as negative things. Nobody wants to be called a radical. Nobody right. wants to be called fundam- a fundamentalist. But we celebrate and we, we learn yeah. every, every Sunday from men right. who would have been referred to of, right. as that in their culture at we, the time. We name our churches after the, the apostles and the reformers, and we name our schools after the apostles and the reformers, and we, we put up monuments to the apostles <laughs> and the reformers, and, and we celebrate them, and we do everything except imitate them, everything except walk in their, in their footsteps. And one of the things that Joe Boot said when we had him on last week that I thought was just so convicting is he said that um, now we are a generation who don't believe that the Word of God has anything to say to these other non-religious spheres, right? We don't believe that the Word of God should have an impact on education and politics and family, and the, like the private families of non-Christians and all these sorts of things. And, uh, and he said, our forebears didn't believe that. And he said, Western culture existed as it did for so long under Judeo-Christian values because our forebears didn't believe that. And he says, we've been living off the fruit and the energy of our forebears who didn't believe what we believe. And now that we don't believe it and uh, the fruit of their labor is wearing off, we find ourselves in a rapidly changing culture and we don't know what to do about it. Yeah. That's yeah, we, convicting. It is. It's very convicting. It's like... It, um, the idea that we like we're called the church is called to be salt and light. Right. And so fundamentally what is salt do? Salt is, salt prevents decay. We're good at that. We're good at being salt. We know to hold on to things and try to try to keep them from changing and try to keep from them being corrupted. We've lost the idea of to be light into those things. Right. So things like government, things like culture we're, we're not great at being the light there we're good at being salt we know what we want to hold on to we're just not good at speaking into yeah. change and set, shedding light light destroys darkness we, we've lost that idea and i think i think one of the things that i was most challenged by what boot when boot was saying is that is that idea that we've we've basically we've lost that because we forget that the bible speaks in all of those spheres he said it he articulated like we're really good at 25% of what Jesus came to teach. Right. Forgiveness of sins, loving, loving one another. Go to heaven when you die. Go to heaven when you die. Forgot 75% of the fact that he's talking about bringing the kingdom to the world. Right. And that just blew my mind. Yeah. Losing, losing. We've, we've got the gospel of uh, forgiveness of sins, but he said we, we lost the gospel of the kingdom, right? The fact that, that uh, Christ has now handed over his kingdom to the saints and that we are to build uh, build and fight um, as saints within this this kingdom. Yeah, it's it's interesting. Be- and and I think so. When I th- when I was thinking about what he had taught, and I was asking the question, so like, why? Why? Um, what are some of the things that we've? What are the, some of the lies that we've believed that have got us here? And one of the things that kept coming to mind. So I'm interested to see what you think about this. Mm-hmm. One of the things that came to mind for me was. Uh, one of the lies I think that we've believed is the the lie that there's there's neutrality, right? So he he talked about the myth of neutrality, right? That that education is not um, education is not neutral, right? 
Um, and and we, we've thought too long and hard that these these areas like politics and like education are, are kind of neutral ground. No worldview is being proclaimed there. And so one of the lies that we've bought into is that it's possible for somebody to remain neutral. It's it's possible for neutrality. And what we forget is that every politician, every teacher, every uh, what did what did Boot say? Right, every every baker or baker every candlestick maker. Yeah, every every uh, yeah. I don't know. It is a rhyme, but I can't yeah, think. I can't remember it either. But uh, they they are operating out of their worldview, right? So they have internal beliefs, whether they are Christian or Muslim or uh, Jewish or secular humanist or atheist. But whatever their beliefs are, they are playing those things out. And so every teacher is teaching their worldview. And, and the word of God in Luke, it actually tells us that every student when fully trained will be like his teacher. And so, you know, in these realms, we, we think we're, we're sending our kids off to a neutral area. Well, no, their teacher, whether they are Christian or Muslim, are teaching a worldview to your children. Or in politics, we say, well, we shouldn't mix Christianity and politics. Well, guess what? Right now in Canada, we've mixed atheism and politics. Because Trudeau, despite what he says, is a secular humanist. He has not bowed the knee to the, uh, to the lordship of Christ, and he does not believe the authority of Scripture. And he is leading out of his worldview. And so, you know, all of the non-Christians and Christians alike who have said, you can't bring your Christianity to work with you. You can't take Christianity into politics. You can't take Christianity into school. I forgot that it's impossible to not... Uh, like Christians are the only ones leaving their worldview at the door as they go into their workplace. And it's gotten us where we are. Yeah. You can't, you can't, you can't be neutral and make a decision because the nature of making a decision is choosing one side or another side Right. in, in any, in any facet. So the idea that people think you can be a neutral leader is, doesn't make any sense. It, it's not possible. So, then it becomes, well, what choice are they making? And when you have somebody like you, you brought up Justin Trudeau, our leader in Canada, he is going to make choices based on what he believes is right, yeah. which we know he's not basing his life on the, on the standard of the Bible, which means he's making choices that are, that are based on what he thinks is right, which is, we know, not correct. Right. And so he makes, he makes moving. So it's one thing we know that there is no such thing as neutral. And it's one thing you, you actually said, a long time ago, we were on a boat, and I, I remember you saying this about... We, you and I were on a boat? We were on a boat. <laughs> we, we have not been on boats together very often. We could probably pinpoint when this was, but keep going. Anyway. I don't want to lose um, And you, you said in, in the Christian faith, there's no, there's no standing still. You're either moving forward right. or you're moving backward. And I think, I think Christians as, as people have just generally realized, like, have, have lost the idea that neutral is backwards. Right not taking a stand for truth is actually moving farther and farther away from it every single day. Every day that we don't try to get more biblical, more like Christ, we're actually taking steps backwards. So when we're not doing the things that you're, that we're saying, we're not trying to, you know, change schools, schools, we're leaving that school to become more and more anti-truth because things will move backwards. The, um, how do how I articulate this? But when the church doesn't speak out, evil will fill the void. Yeah. When when we're not the light of reason and the and speaking truth and trying to shift things our way, evil will gladly fill that void. Yeah. And we see this. Yeah. Christians have removed themselves from the public sphere for a long time. And what's happened? Well, look where we are right now. Yeah. Where we murder babies, 
We have an education system that tells people before trains the, atheists, tra- trains atheists, but also tells boys and girls that no, they can choose whatever they want to be, even before they're allowed to have sex legally, right. that they can choose what sex they are, which yeah. makes no sense. It just, yeah. but you see it, it runs its course. Evil takes over because the church, which is the good in the world, isn't speaking into that. Right. Um, and I just think, I just think we've got, well, and, and I mean the, that the verse that you keep referring to light and, uh, light and salt it says when the when the salt loses its saltiness, it's good for nothing to be thrown away, right? Like that's that's yeah. the point. If the church has lost its saltiness, and if we're not being salt to a dying world, then we're worthless. The Bible says we we're to be tossed away, and so and and this is this is really so. Like, let's talk about this for a minute because churches gather in and around this area every single Sunday, and they worship God and they lift up you know the name of Jesus. And some of them are more faithful to the, the Bible than others, but um, they're doing that all over. But if we've lost our saltiness, right, if the people of that congregation are not doing anything to, to preserve the world, to advance the kingdom, then the Bible calls them worthless, worth being thrown out. So good for you. You're, you know, you have, you, you're, you're preaching well and you are um, you're worshiping God well. God's saying it, it, it's worthless because you've lost your saltiness. Now, that's not to say that, like, don't get me wrong. I believe that the preaching of God's word um, is what allow or what equips Christians to be salt. So don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm not saying that, that the word of God, when it goes forth, it does not re- return void. So I, I, they're, they're being sanctified. They're being, that's all good stuff. But at some point, pastors and Christians need to get bold and they need to take their faith boldly into the public space. You get outside the walls of your church and, and actually start being salt and light. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's, I, I always think it's funny when, when I think of things like that, when, when I, when you stand before the King of Kings, he's not going to run down a theological checklist with you. Be like, did you believe this? Did you believe this? Did you right. believe this? Your theology was great. Well done. My good right. and faithful servant. What he's, what he's actually going to what, what, what we're actually going to be not judged on, but is how good were we at bringing the kingdom, at making disciples, well, that's, yeah sharing what he's done for us. You're, yeah, and, and I know, like, I just want to put a little caveat there, because I know we have a lot of listeners who, are, who care a lot about theology, and we, are, we are among them. We, theology matters. In fact, I, we would say that you cannot be a kingdom builder. You cannot be... Um, useful in the kingdom of God with wacky theology because wacky theology leads you down pursuing material possessions rather than, than the gift giver, 100%. right? So theology matters, but but you're absolutely right in that what's the mandate, right? Go make disciples, teach them obedience, right? Spread the kingdom. That's the mandate. And, and teaching obedience is part of teaching theology, but you can only like the teaching of theology is partnered with the making of disciples. And so it's that spreading of the kingdom. And, and so I, it's, it's, uh, I mean, it's easy to get uh, on a rant about all the things that are going wrong in the church, but what, uh, what Joe boot gets back, gets us back to is he says, what we need is we need a return to the whole of God's word for the whole of life, right? All of God for all of life. And, and not just, well, Savior Jesus for my personal life, but all of God's word for all of life. God's word has something to say about how you run your business, what kind of employee you are, what kind of neighbor you are, what kind of father you are, what kind of son you are, what kind of 
uh, husband you are, what kind of wife you are, all of those kinds of things. And, and we cannot allow us to, ourselves to segregate the word of God and say that it applies here but doesn't apply there. And, uh, and I know, I know we have, we have listeners, and, and you and I struggle with this as well. Uh, we, we struggle with the fact that this makes us unpopular at family gatherings, right? You and I have just had a conversation about this in the last week about, you know, about friends and family who, when we get together, um, our unpopular views on things, are, are, are getting into conversations about God and his truth makes us unpopular at family gatherings. And guess what? Like Jesus said, I, I didn't come to bring peace. I came to bring a sword to divide father against son and mother against daughter. Um, family relationships are one of the things that sometimes we have to sacrifice in order to build the kingdom. Jesus has to mean more to us than our jobs, than our families, than our relationships, and then our reputation. And one of the things that stuck out to me since we had him on the show is when Doug Wilson said um, he was he was sitting around the family dinner table with his dad. Do you remember this? Yeah. Uh, Doug Wilson's dad's name is Jim, and he said something about uh, no sense in dying with a good reputation. And one of Doug's kids said, oh, you think you got a good reputation, Grandpa? And he said, better than I ought to have. And I think about that, and I think of you know the 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 great lengths at which I go to preserve a reputation, and I think you know this is exactly um, the opposite of the kind of men that we celebrate and build monuments to, right? John Knox. In fact, it was said of John Knox. It was said he was a man who feared God and did not fear men. He was a man who was willing to offend men because he was unwilling to offend God. Uh, that can't be said of many of the most popular Christians today. No, I, I, I agree. Uh, reputation is one of those things that I know we have talked about. It's almost an idol to yeah, a lot of us absolutely. where we're just like, uh, like we want you guys to like what we say on this podcast. We want more people to listen to it in a personal note. I want you guys to like me you know what I mean? a, lot, a lot of the time. <laughs> just love me. <laughs> just, just love booty. Like, but I mean like something like, but I mean like sometimes I do cra- like yeah. we do crave totally. people's value of of us that we want them to want us to be around and stuff like that but a lot of times like you're like you're saying and what joe boop's advocating for is that what we're saying is very unpopular yeah it will make us enemies and we have to be okay and we have to be as a church okay with that and as a as christians individually okay with that because the word of god actually has something to say about all of life beyond just the spiritual matters it's 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 funny to me how often we forget that the bible addresses government just all over the place. First and second Samuel, first and second Kings, judges, Genesis, Daniel, all books about men serving in political office. So if you think of it, and in some of those in non godly political offices, Daniel is a great example of that. Um, And then it's not just the old Testament, Romans 13, first Peter, uh, first Peter two, I think is all about serving in government, how we should respect government, how we should act towards the government how we should be influencing government. And then the Great Commission, we always come back to it, probably the most talked about verses on this podcast. It starts with all authority in heaven and earth. Yeah. All. It was was interesting. So uh, in Daniel, this is something I'd never seen before, Um, but in in Daniel, um, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, right? They're uh, thrown into the furnace for not bending the knee to the the statue of Nebuchadnezzar, right? And it's interesting because um, in Babylon, they were allowed. They were allowed to uh, worship God. 
it wasn't a matter of them not being able to be Jews anymore, but it was, um, you know, bow down to the, the state. And, 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 and really what, what's happening there is what's happening right now in, in our cultures. We're okay if you're Christians. You're free to worship how you want. But in public spaces, you must bow to the, the state religion, right? Pluralistic secular humanism. Mm. Um, but, uh, but so Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they refused to bow, right? They're thrown in the fiery furnace. Um, and we all know this story because it's one of the most popular children's uh, ministry stories. Um, but what's interesting to me that I never, so this is all the officials, right? It's all the high-ranking officials in Babylon that are called to bow down to the statue. This isn't everybody who's there. It's all the high-ranking officials. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were promoted because Daniel was able to interpret Nebuchadnezzar's dream in, in Daniel chapter 2. So they would have been there, and these were official state gatherings when the music played and they had to come and bow down, which means they all would have been in their, in their um, state official garments. Mm. They would have been in like their, their judges robes or whatever, right? Like, Wings. and mm. yeah, <laughs> and it's very, so get this, this is significant. Um, Joe Boot uh, just preached on this. This is where I'm getting it from, not from when he was on our podcast, but a recent sermon. And he said, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were thrown into the fiery furnace. And the Bible takes, makes the point of saying that their garments weren't singed right? That all that was burned off of them was, was their bonds, right? And so they came out of the fire and God not only supernaturally preserved them, their bodies, but also the stately robes that they were wearing. In other words, they came out of the fire and it's like God was affirming, you know, I still want you to hold this place in office and I have, I have preserved you. And then what happens there, what happens is Nebuchadnezzar then says, tear down every idol and everybody must worship the God of these men. Interesting, right? It's, yeah. it's suddenly Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in, in the way in which God delivered them caused kind of a state revival. And we, we know Nebuchadnezzar wasn't done. He still needed to be humbled a couple of chapters later. Um, but uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting when you start looking into over and over again in scripture um, that uh, the, the God has something to say, right? That Jonah didn't just go to, to preach repentance to um, you know, a bunch of individuals within Nineveh. No, it was Nineveh. And what does it say? The king heard, the king put on sackcloth and ashes, the king called for a fast and the king repented and then all of Nineveh with him. What did Paul do, right? And, and Boot said this on the podcast last week. It was, he went before Festus and he went before Caiaphas and he went before eventually Caesar himself. I, I, I appeal to Caesar, went all the way up to Rome so that he could preach the gospel to the highest because he recognized that the gospel has something to say and that Psalm 2, Psalms 2, um, actually tells, oh, be wise, O kings, O rulers of the earth, kiss the sun, pay homage to the sun. In other words, you're still under king jesus he's the king of kings he's the lord of lords and uh and we have we, we, many many churches are just not preaching this we're not calling um for repeal of ungodly laws and telling trudeau bend the knee to christ we're, we're just not doing that so where are the john knoxes of the world right it's uh anyway i i was really inspired by uh by boots uh interview yeah me, me too me too i thought i thought um, just hit when he was talking, like, again, back to what he was saying about, it almost seems like when you, when you think about it, that was Paul's entire mission was like, let me get, let me get in front of Caesar. Yeah. And like, well, it was and, prophesied over him early on, right. That he would, he would bring uh, the good news to Kings. So I didn't even think of that. Um, so. the, uh, I just, just found another quote from Knox here. Um, this is just, just listen. It's like, who, who's, who are praying prayers like this, right? 
or, or I guess preaching sermons like this anymore. So John Knox says, God is savior of the world. He is the savior of Scotland. He is the ruler of the wretched queen. He is the ruler of the pompous pope. He is the redeemer of those who cling to the true gospel and before him all enemies will fall. May it be through our prayers and our preaching and our deaths. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's, that's boldness. Yeah, see, that, that's, that's a beautiful prayer too because yeah. notice what he doesn't say. He doesn't say, let us overthrow the government. Yeah. He says, let our prayers, yeah. let our suffering and our yeah. deaths and, be and that's, what and, changes. You know what? And that's a really good point. And, and maybe one thing that we should say, just in case any of our listeners haven't heard us go on rants like this before, here's our caveat. We're not saying, uh, we're not saying that we ought overthrow government or, or any of that kind of stuff. Honestly, what, what we're saying is that Jesus Christ modeled what this looks like. How did he conquer the forces of darkness? through his death and resurrection. Jesus says to us, unless a, a grain of seed goes into the ground and dies, it will bear no fruit. And so how is it that, that Christians affect change in the culture and in the, the country and in the nation and in the world? It's, it's being willing to die. It's being willing to give up our life radically to, to live a life sold out for God. And, and death might not look like being burned at the stake anymore. It might not look like being beheaded anymore. Uh, maybe we'll get there at some point. <laughs> maybe maybe we'll, there will be a return to that at some point. Um, but, uh, but it certainly might mean legal, financial ramifications. It, it, it almost certainly means you are hated by certain people. It almost certainly means persecution in, in other ways. Um, but, uh, but that's part of what death looks like in yeah. a seed going into the ground to die. Yeah, and sometimes, and sometimes this will look... Um, it's easy to speak kind of at a high level what this will look like. Sometimes this means that you will be shunned at work because you won't wear the purple ribbon. Yep. Um, sometimes it means you might get let go of your job because you won't do something, shady. do something <laughs> that's immoral or yep. that the company's on board with. I'm not saying that's, those are big examples. It could be as simple as not baking a cake. Um, you know, that's uh, the Doug Wilson <laughs> episode again, referenced the idea that that yeah. most Supreme court cases now are just simple people of faith yeah. taking a stand. Absolutely. It doesn't necessarily mean you're going to be put to death, but there's things that will suffer in your life to, to do these things, and that's good. Yep. You know I mean? It's like I know it's a weird thing to do. Um, and it, another thing I was I was thinking of is that we we're quick we're quick to pray this, but we I don't think we really understand what it means when we pray the Lord's Prayer: "Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done on earth as yeah. it is in heaven." Yeah. If it was just like not to backtrack, but if it was just the church. If, if, we, if there was supposed to be that very distinct separation, wouldn't it say thy kingdom come, there will be done in the church as it is in heaven? But yeah. it doesn't. It says on the earth. Yeah. And so the idea that the, the gospel speaks to all of this. Yeah. And we as Christians have lost that and we have to get it back and then start taking steps. It doesn't have to be anything drastic. It can just be one, one simple faithful thing you're doing every single day that continues to build the kingdom in, in wherever you are, whatever sphere, I don't sphere, I guess, um, whatever that looks like. I, I, I don't know for you, um, but it, you know, it's a one way we can continue. Right. So, yeah. And I would just encourage you, we've, uh, we went through a reformation series at our church this, uh, this past month. And, uh, and I used a lot of, um, examples and stories of martyrs 
Um, and so I would encourage you, um, it's actually been pretty cool. We've had people in our church who have been inspired to uh, go on missions and stuff like that because of some of the, the hearing the stories of the martyrs and the reformers and their courage and their boldness. Um, and so I just encourage our listeners, if you haven't, uh, Desiring God, that's uh, John Piper's ministry. Um, if you just type in, you know, Desiring God, uh, here we stand, um, then uh, there was a uh, 31 seven-minute podcast or seven-minute write-up articles on um, uh, reformers and what they did. And their stories, like Helen Sturck was one of them, uh, a, a very regular woman who was not a, a brilliant mind, was not a preacher, was not a teacher, and yet um, has her name in kind of the, in Fox's Book of Martyrs in the in, in kind of hero hall of fame, so to speak, um, because she refused to pray to Mary during childbirth. Um, and she essentially said, I will not pray to an equal and basically claim that Jesus Christ is the only mediator between God and man. And, and she would not pray to Mary. And she was, she was killed for it. She was drowned for that. And her husband was killed for it. And, uh, and so you look at the courage of everyday people. And then I, 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 would, I would encourage people, go to um, the Supreme, some of the Supreme Court decisions that are coming up right now. Um, there are bakers and there are flower shops and there are people who are literally losing their livelihood because um, uh, they're taking a stand. And uh, and I, I again, you know, we've used him a lot. Maybe we'll call this episode, you know, <laughs> uh, where's John Knox? Because uh, one last quote from John Knox where he, he, you know, and you have to remember that by the end of John Knox's life, when he died in, I think it was 1572, um, he uh he saw Scotland thoroughly reformed. It was two generations after him when the Scottish Covenanters um, covenanted together that there would not be a law in Scotland that contradicted the law of God. And, uh, but he said near the end of his life, he said, I sought neither preeminence, glory, nor riches. My honor was that Jesus Christ should reign. And, uh, and that, that ought to be our prayer. That ought to be what we want to see is, is Jesus Christ on the throne. He is on the throne, but what we want to see is his rule and his reign um, being advanced and people bending the knee to Christ, not only for their salvation, but for the honor and the glory of Christ. Amen. So if you haven't listened and you got through all that, go back, listen to last week's episode. We had Dr. Joe Boot on and, uh, and we'll just take a minute here. Uh, we kind of have some of our favorite people and we've had, we've had the, the privilege of having some of them on the podcast, guys like Doug Wilson. But Joe Boot, I know, is a name that not many people know. He's a bit underrated in my, my mind. Uh, if you're a listener and you're ambitious, go and buy The Mission of God by Joe Boot. We are not getting royalties on this. We are not getting a kickback from this. We are not making any money off this. We'd feel free to accept it. Yeah. Well, not. Yeah. yeah. Joe Boot, if you're still listening. No, but uh, go and, and pick up um, The Mission of God. It's, it's kind of his manifesto. It's a, it's, a, it's a wonderful book. And if any of these themes um, sparked some enthusiasm and some passion in your heart, go pick up that book because it'll it'll uh, it'll fan that into flame. Is that, did I say that right? Yeah, that'll it'll fan that spark into flame. Yeah, and you can if if you're not a reader, if you're somebody who doesn't get into get into books much, but you you are obviously listening to our podcast or you wouldn't be here, and you want to check out some more of just Joe Boot and you know him talking through some of this stuff and how the, how this looks, you can actually podcast. It's free to download. It's the Ezra Institutes. Institute. Ezra Institute. Yeah. And uh, they put out, I think it's weekly 
podcasts, but podcasts and sermons, and sermons and, and yep. stuff like that. So, and you get to hear Joe Boot, uh, you know, break it down for you. So, yeah. And, uh, and it, so I'll just, I'll just leave you with, I, I know I said one more John Knox. Now I'll leave you with one more John Knox quote. Um, and uh, as, as you go, because uh, if you're anything like me, you get amped up about this kind of stuff, but then you get discouraged as you look at the culture around you and you just say, there's so much to change, right? There's so much. We live in a culture in Canada right now. We live in a culture where you can still collapse a baby's skull and its mother's womb moments before it comes out of the birth canal. We live in a dark world. Uh, whatever that darkness is most prevalent to you. But uh, John Knox said that uh, the man standing with God always stands in the majority. Mm-hmm. And so uh, just know that the sovereign God also cares for the world that he created. And he is the one who affects change, not you. Uh, your job is to simply be faithful and to allow the whole of God's word apply to all of your life. That's all we got for you. Have a great one, guys. Have a great one. See you next time.